to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. CannabisRadio.com presents The Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation. Hey, this is great, man. Now, here's your host, Radical Russ Belleville. Good day, tokers and tokets and non-token lovers of liberty. It is Monday, August 22nd, 2016, and it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world. Oh my God, we are back from the 25th annual Seattle Hemp Fest, the silver anniversary. What an amazing weekend it was up there at Myrtle Edwards Park for the world's largest and longest continuously operating marijuana protestable uh, worldwide. It's at least the largest. It's not the longest operating one. But uh, 25 years is nothing to sneeze at. And Vivian McPeak and Steve Fun and Gary and all these guys on the stages and all the volunteers, everybody involved, Tim Pate, all the great folks, they put on another wonderful event. And I got to say, the weather was much better than last year. Last year, we got rained out on Friday. And this year, I mean, literally, like, Last year, there was no bands, no speakers, nothing on Friday. It got flooding uh, in the Seattle Hemp Fest zone. So they were really struggling this year because uh, they lost one-third of their possible donations because they, you know, they're a free speech event. They can't charge people to come into the park to enjoy these th- you know, six different stages full of bands and speakers and hundreds of different vendors and, of course, open pot smoking everywhere you look. So they're looking to get some donations, and if you want to attend Seattle Hemp Fest next year or sometime in the future, you ought to get online and make a donation. It's hempfest.org, or you can go to gofundme.com slash keephempfestalive. So this week, we'll be bringing you all sorts of audio highlights from the Seattle Hemp Fest. We've got some of the speeches from some of the activists and leaders uh, from the various stages. We've also got backstage interviews that I conducted and some special stuff in hour two, some musical uh, uh, artists that we have, including on today's show at our 420 break, we are going to bring you Chief Greenbud with myself on backing vocals on the main stage Saturday doing its 420 somewhere. So we're going to do that at 420 today on the show. Stay tuned for that. Also coming up on the show today, of course, we have our cannabis radio news. In the headlines today, oh, I don't know if you saw those photos of Malia Obama, the uh, first daughter, taking a toke. We'll talk about that, plus a uh, win for legalization in Arizona, a a court decision to tell you about. Another good court decision for medical marijuana coming out of the state of Connecticut uh, with regards to employment. We've also got uh, Cayman Islands news. We've got some industrial hemp news from New York State and uh, the sad story of former Raiders quarterback Todd Marinovich. That's coming up in our Cannabis Radio News. Then we'll follow that up with uh, Herb Thrasher's speech from the Cavi Gold stage at the Seattle Hemp Fest leading into our 20 after 20 after break then uh at uh, 23 after we'll have my speech from the Sealy stage followed by our cannabis q a with dr mitch segment dr mitch will be joining us to talk about uh the new studies on pot and poverty we've got uh, a study on adverse outcomes on transplant patients 
We have a look at alcohol as a gateway drug, the differences between men and women, and the use of cannabis for pain relief. We've got a sleep study for heavy cannabis users to talk about. And we'll follow up on that uh, decision by the DEA to open up more places to cultivate cannabis for research. At the end of hour one, we'll get to the Radical Rant, another speech from me, my speech at the Cavi Gold stage. You can learn how I became Radical Russ. And then in hour two, we get visits from Elise McDonough, the edibles editor at High Times Magazine, an extended discussion with New Jersey weed man Ed Fortune about his battle with the cops over his temple and the crushing of the weed mobile. And we'll close things up with Cannabis Radio's own Nurse Heather Manis. All coming up in this Seattle Hempfest edition of the Russ Belleville Show. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Cannabis use isn't the only thing growing. So are we. Grow with us. CannabisRadio.com. Dr. Dabber, hurry. Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct. Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's order. Less heat, more flavor. Welcome to Cannabis Confidential. I'm your host, Dr. Dina. We've got David Faustino on the line, Bud Bundy from Married with Children. Did you feel nervous being a celebrity walking into a weed store? I don't remember at all being like, ooh, I'm scared to even take my picture here. What are they going to say? Bud Bundy smokes Bud? I mean, come on. (laughs) (laughs) It wouldn't be a big shocker. Hey, this is David Faustino, and I'm on Cannabis Confidential with my girl, Dr. Dina, on CannabisRadio.com. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. At Herbie's Cannabis Seeds, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best quality seeds from the world's most respected cannabis seed producers, all at the lowest online prices. You can find Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. All cannabis seeds are sold as souvenirs and as a means of preserving cannabis genetics. Herbie's Seeds in no way intends to condone, promote, or incite the use of illegal or controlled substances. We strongly urge all prospective customers to check their national laws prior to placing an order. Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. Proud sponsors of the Russ Belville Show and 420 Radio. It's time for the Cannabis Radio News. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio News. This is your Cannabis Radio News for Monday, August 22, 2016. Chicago, Illinois. First daughter Malia Obama was revealed to be smoking what appears to be a joint at the Lollapalooza Music Festival. Radar Online has the exclusive video showing 18-year-old Malia dancing to the music and taking a hit off the small hand-rolled cigarette passed to her by some young man. Radar Online reports that Jaredin Selwyn, also 18, was an eyewitness to President Obama's oldest daughter toking the reefer, saying, quote, 
I caught Malia smoking pot, and I have the pictures to prove it, she told Radar. She was only a few feet away from me, and you could smell the marijuana smoke coming from the cigarette she took a hit on, end quote. Barack Obama famously admitted his marijuana use at age 17 while in high school in Hawaii. Phoenix, Arizona. A judge on Friday threw out a legal challenge to an initiative that will ask voters in November to legalize recreational marijuana in Arizona. The ruling by Maricopa County Superior Court Judge Joe Lynn Gentry dismissing the challenge is expected to be appealed by opponents of the measure directly to the Arizona Supreme Court. Gentry ruled that opponents of Proposition 205 can't challenge the initiative because of changes to the law in 2015 limiting such lawsuits. She said the legislature, wittingly or not, eliminated a part of the law allowing any citizen to challenge the legality of initiative petitions. In case that interpretation is overturned by the Supreme Court, Gentry went on to reject all of the reasons opponents laid out for keeping the initiative off of the ballot. They had asked her to bar it from the ballot because of the short description voters saw when signing petitions that left off many major provisions. For instance, the 100-word legal description did not include details about changes to DUI laws, child custody issues, employment law, and many others. Gentry said in her ruling that there was, quote, no ability to prepare a summary that would comply with the 100-word limit and with their objections, end quote. Hartford, Connecticut, a Connecticut state worker fired after he was caught smoking marijuana on the job, was punished too harshly and should get his job back, the state Supreme Court ruled Friday. Gregory Linhoff was fired from his maintenance job at the University of Connecticut Health Center in Farmington in 2012 after a police officer caught him smoking pot in a state-owned vehicle. He had no previous disciplinary problems since being hired in 1998 and had received favorable job evaluations, according to his union. He was arrested, but the charges were later dismissed. State officials said firing the new Hartford resident was the only appropriate penalty for his conduct and not doing so would send a bad message to other employees. Georgetown, Cayman Islands. Premier Alden McLaughlin is in full support of changes to the Misuse of Drugs Act that would make the Cayman Islands the first Caribbean nation to have a functioning medical cannabis program. The rules changes published by the island government are still subject to a 21-day public comment period, followed by debate in the Legislative Assembly. The law would allow doctors to prescribe extracts and tinctures of cannabis. However, cannabis plants would not be grown and processed on the islands. The law will allow only for the importation of the cannabis oils and tinctures. Albany, New York. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo on Friday signed a law expanding the Empire State's research hemp program. The changes will now allow the selling and transportation of industrial hemp within the state. There is currently one farm in Madison County cultivating a 30-acre hemp farm with the researchers at the Morrisville State College. Irvine, California. Former USC and Oakland Raiders quarterback Todd Marinovich was found naked late Friday morning in the backyard of someone else's home in possession of marijuana and arrested. Marinovich was cited for trespassing, possession of a controlled substance, possession of drug paraphernalia, and possession of marijuana. The former 1991 first-round NFL draft pick has had a long, troubled history with drug abuse. After only two seasons with the Raiders, he was dropped by the team because of his drug use. In 1997, he was busted for felony marijuana cultivation and prescription pill possession. A stint in the Arena Football League in 2000 was cut short by heroin possession charges. Marinovich has had two more drug possession arrests in 2005 and 2007. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Monday, August 22, 2016. I'm Russ Belville.
We don't limit how much you smoke, and we don't limit where you listen. Cannabis Radio is now on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. While the feds and state are doing their dance, you still need to transact business and manage your cash. Go professional and let your customers pay with PayQuick. They pay you and they earn rewards points. PayQuick connects to your bank account for free and secures all of your transactions. And with PayQuick, you can pay your producers and processors for free. Plus, it pays to have it because it makes depositing your cash safe and so easy. No cops, no crooks, just compliance and comfort, knowing you have your cannabis business in check with PayQuick. PayQuick, the safe and easy way to pay. P-A-Y-Q-W-I-C-K dot com. Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, avid snowboarder, and I'm also a medical marijuana patient. Living with multiple sclerosis, I'm in pain every day. Medical marijuana is my last resort, and it helps me when all other drugs have failed. If you'd like more information about medical marijuana, you can contact the Marijuana Policy Project at mpp.org or call 1-877-JOIN-MPP. Warning. Hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. Or at least they pay me to say that. A public service message from CannabisRadio.com and the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. Welcome back, everyone. We have uh, just this great speech from our good friend Herb Thrasher from 420 Radio and Portland Normal at Seattle Hemp Fest. Right on, guys. I'm Herb Thrasher, 420 Radio. Thanks so much to Farmer Tom. You can find him at FarmerTomOrganics.com. Yeah, what's up, Al? Cavi Gold in the house. I'm Herb Thrasher. I'm with Herb Age Designs. 420 Radio and Executive Director for Portland Normal. And I'd definitely like to thank this, my main man right here, for wearing that Normal shirt. Yeah, give it up. Normal's been doing great things since 1970. All the way here in 2016, and we're still doing things. We're in a legalized world now. You guys are definitely uh, ahead of Oregon. And uh, we're, at, we're at a new stage. I like, to, I like to call it, we're at a kind of like a... A detail stage, you know, it's like we worked so hard for so many years to to get legalization and, and, and we thought we were just gonna we thought we were just gonna get high and, and have a good time afterwards and 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 now what's happening is is we've gotten legalization, we've gotten here, but other people behind us and around us are creating our system. And and, and that's not right. We we should be the ones creating our system. We're the ones that have driven it this far to get our legalization. We're the ones who have innovated all our products. I mean, so many great products, so many great vendors, innovators. I mean, you've even got a pretzel pipe nowadays, for crying out loud. A pretzel pipe, dude. Stoner head, dude, sitting around. What can we do? What's new? What's next? So many glass pipes, so many bongs. 
I don't know, a pretzel pipe. And so great things like that is what the cannabis community has always been kind of innovated because we come up with our products. Concentrate world, the whole oil world is a great, great example. I mean, that has come on so fast and it's part of, it's part of our community and now it's kind of embedded in the whole cannabis community. And so, so many great things are going on. As I mentioned, uh, I'm 420 Radio and I love music, man. I, I, I love cannabis and, and the whole world's for so long have been put together. You know, the greatest stoner rock tune of all times, Black Sabbath's Sweet Leaf was written back in 1969 for crying out loud. I mean, that's how long things have been going on and rock and roll has been embedded. You know, we, we've always loved Bob Marley and we love Jerry Garcia, but rock and roll and heavy metal has always been a part too. And a lot of us do this. And so this needs to be part of our communities as we keep going. And so 420 Radio loves to embrace the bands. You know, a lot of these bands deserve to be going on tour from state to state and deserve not to be pulled over and harassed. You know, so many bands, you guys don't know the stories, but many bands get pulled over. They get searched, you know, van long hair, black shirts, wearing sunglasses. No, you know, it's, it, we all deserve to be free. And as we create our industry, hopefully California in 2016 will be a trifecta here in the Northwest. And then we'll be in the West Coast now. And then the East Coast, other states are looking at voting as well. Maryland's doing good. Maine, come on, Maine, let's go. And then we can have this sandwich and just pull into this weed sandwich. And it would be cool to be legalized and keep this movement going. As I mentioned, I'm also executive director for Portland Normal. And I do that because I still feel like activism is important. We're in this legalized world and we definitely need to change. We need to change with it. But our activism needs to stay remain. And this, this is a great event that persuades that and keeps it going. We need to keep Hemp Fest going. 25 years, we need 26 years. You know, they're putting out articles now, and I'm hearing is Hemp Fest needs to die. It doesn't need to die. We need to grow it even more and keep our community going. We'll change this event. Keep it going. So you guys just keep supporting the community. It's so important to be involved. All you bands, all you rockers out there, keep rocking. Let us hear from you, man. You guys keep it up. It's good stuff. I've also Herb Age Designs, and I started that back in 2003 because I felt like we needed a company that was more than just about smoking, more than about pipes and weed, and weed and bongs. And so I started a gift and apparel company, and it's been a great ride ever since. And so I'd like to encourage all you guys out there, if you think about joining the cannabis industry as a business, do it. Go for it. We need jobs. We need to keep pushing this forward. We need to keep mainstream going. You know, one of the things that always caught me was urine testing. You guys, I mean, you guys like urine tests? You know, when you apply for a job, you have to look at the jobs and you have to assume which ones are going to urine test you and which not. It's, that, that's right. See, there you go. But, it was, you know, there's this world and there's this whole thing that we're going. So, everybody, join activism. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep supporting this community. And keep supporting groups like Normal and the Seattle Hemp Fest. Keep rocking. Congratulations to Cavi Gold Records. You know, I've been watching these guys grow for a long time, supporting many, many bands. And I'd like to give them a huge congratulations. This is their first year here, right here. And they've been growing too, man. They started on a little van down there, and they've been doing it. And now they've got many great bands. So definitely check out Cavi Gold Records and Caviar gold shout out to scott mckinley and all the bands keep rocking guys i'm herb thrasher 
Happy Hemp Fest! I think I was trying to suggest something about the duality of man, sir. All right, folks, that sound means it's 20 after the hour. Time for us to let loose and enjoy a brief safety meeting. And when we come back, we've got more from Seattle Hemp Fest. You'll get my speech from the Sealy stage telling people to broaden their perspective on all drugs and all countries when we return. Play as Ted Growing, expelled botany sophomore and the biggest grower in town, only on Weed Firm Replanted. Available on the App Store and Google Play. It's a lot of work being the biggest grower in town. Maintaining a room full of plants while dealing with a slew of eccentric customers, from a hardcore partier to the curious neighbor next door. Is anybody home? Help me expand my bud business by unlocking new strains, customizing my grow room, and completing challenges that you can't get enough of. Grow your empire so big you can see it from space. Low on funds? Don't worry. Weed Firm Replanted is free to download. Download Weed Firm Replanted for free on the App Store and Google Play today. Get growing, Mr. Growing. Mentions the Stoner Jesus Show podcast on CannabisRadio.com. And don't try to debate me on something. Motherfucker, I can't do many things well. But words are my shit. The Stoner Jesus Show, live Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Or find the Stoner Jesus Show podcast on demand at CannabisRadio.com and StonerJesus.net. Peace, bitches. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. You're going to find really wonderful, well-meaning, well-spoken people, and then people that are just batshit crazy. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. Coming soon to a city near you, Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. Get all your cannabis accounting, legal, and compliance questions answered by their knowledgeable panel of industry experts who want to help your cannabis business boom. Whether you're a grower, dispensary operator, or a newcomer to the field, your cannabis business needs Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. For information on upcoming events, visit CannabisFinanceBootCamp.com. Activism begins with ACT. The Rush Belleville Show features the stories of hardworking grassroots activists working for an end to prohibition in today's activist agenda. Today on the agenda, we go back to Friday at the Sealy Stage, Seattle Hemp Fest. Please give it up for Rush Belleville. Thank you. Thank you very much. Hello, Seattle Hemp Fest, Sealy Stage. Thanks for having me back. It's my... 12th time at Seattle Hemp Fest, 10th year speaking here, and I can't believe what progress we've made in that time. Just think, 10 years ago, there was only 8 medical marijuana states. There's 25 now. And part of the reason for that is because of festivals just like this and people just like you who disobey the government when they make an unjust law. Who are you to tell me what I do with my own body and the seeds and the plants that we come from that come from this earth? Who's got that right? Nobody. We have that right ourselves. And as time goes on, we're continuing to legalize. This year could be a turning point 
in legalization, not just in the um, United States of America, but throughout the entire world. The entire world is watching us. We got five states with legalization on the ballot. California, Arizona, Nevada, Massachusetts, and Maine. But the polls only look really good in California and Maine. Massachusetts and, and Arizona is looking tough right now. Nevada's 50-50. But we're going to get at least two of them, maybe three of them. Who knows? If things go our way, we can get all five. We got another four states that are voting on medical marijuana. Florida, Arkansas. Arkansas has two medical marijuanas on the ballot. They got two different ones to pick from. I don't like this one. I'll pick this one. They've got medical marijuana on the ballot in North Dakota. North Dakota. I'm the news director for CannabisRadio.com, and uh, we're going to be doing a live election night coverage on CannabisRadio.com. It'll be on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, all of that stuff. So it's my job to find correspondence from all the states. North Dakota? I don't know anybody in North Dakota who smokes weed. Do you know anybody in North If you know someone, please let me know. North Dakota down there? Right on. North Dakota over there? Send them my way. I'm Radical Russ online. Just Radical Russ Gmail, Radical Russ Facebook. Get a hold of me. But it's amazing this progress we're making because the whole rest of the world is watching. And I, I want to encourage you to expand your horizons when you think about cannabis as not just the fight for, hey, we get to smoke weed. But it's really a fight about freedom. It just happens to be weed is the subject. But it's really, do we have freedom over our own minds and our own bodies and our own lives? There's a lot of places in this world that don't have that freedom, and they're counting on us. You know, we've got it pretty good in the Pacific Northwest. I'm from Portland, Oregon. But I went last week to Boise, Idaho for the Boise Hemp Fest, and they don't have it so good in Boise. They still have a misdemeanor crime on the books for merely being high in public. Like, no weed on you. Just being high in public is a misdemeanor with a three-month sentence. That's pretty harsh, man. That's pretty harsh. There are Idaho is surrounded. There's only like seven states left that have absolute prohibition, and they need us to continue making it look good, right? They're not going to get legalization in Texas until it happens in California. They're not going to get it in Georgia until it happens in Texas. It's got to happen place by place by place, and every place then sets the example for the next place. So we've got to be careful as cannabis consumers to not make legalization look bad. And so far, we have a 25 years of Seattle Hemp Fest. We don't get fights. We don't get riots. We don't get problems. Trust me, man. I've covered a lot of beer fests and places where there's alcohol and there's fights and there's problems. And we never see that among our people. We are a good, kind community. And the world is depending on us. Let me, let me expand your mind again a little beyond the United States of America. They're just starting to get medical marijuana in Australia. The state of Victoria down there is starting their program. They're starting to get New South Wales down there. A couple of their states in Australia, it's happening. But then, a little bit close, uh, off to the side there in the Pacific Ocean, there's the Philippines. Do you know about the Philippines? What's going on there? This guy named Duterte ran for president of the Philippines, and he said, if I'm elected, we're going to declare war on drug users and drug abusers. And we're going to take them out and shoot them in the streets. And we're going to kill so many criminals, we will fill the Manila Bay with so many bodies, the fish will grow fat. And people were like, oh, this guy's wacky. He's crazy, but he'll never win. He'll never win. He's just a lunatic, but he'll never win. He's promising all this crazy shit, but he'll never win. The guy won. 
He's the president of the Philippines now. There are now over a thousand deaths, literal deaths, where not just the cops have been given free reign to execute drug users and drug peddlers in the street. He's enabled vigilante gangs. He's said if you're going to, if you, if you kill a drug dealer in the streets and, and you're prosecuted, I will pardon you. If the world court comes after you for war crimes, I will fight that. This has caused 60,000 drug users and drug dealers in the Philippines to turn themselves into the authorities because they're like, hell, I'd rather go to jail than have someone kill me in the street. And there's these photos of these dead bodies in the street where they lay these, these uh, cardboard placards next to their body. Dead dealer, good riddance in Spanish, but right, same thing, right? So the people of the Philippines... Man, they don't get any help until we legalize in America, and then we export that to Canada, and we export that to Mexico, and Latin America, and South America, and take it across the Pacific Ocean, and start getting these countries like Malaysia, and Singapore, and the Philippines, where they kill you for using drugs. They kill you. So, it's great that we get to smoke pot, and I'm glad this is the 25th Hemp Fest, and I'm so happy we've got all these states that are legalizing, passing medical marijuana, that never think our job is done. Never rest on your laurels. Never be happy that you get a smoke in the shade on a beautiful day and think that's the end of it, because it ain't. There's people all over this country, all over this planet that need us. Keep leading, keep fighting the good fight, presenting the best image you can, tell everyone you know the truth about cannabis and the lies and the stigma and the stereotypes. I'm Radical Russ from Cannabis Radio. Thank you for listening. Oh, sorry about all that boopy bleeping booping there. We're doing it live and uh, the Skype was not uh, muted as we were reaching out to Dr. Majorlywine. So, my apologies. When we come back, uh, as you probably guessed, Dr. Mitch Earlywine will be on the show in our cannabis Q&A segment. We're going to be talking about a few studies out there on pot and poverty, on organ transplants, alcohol as a gateway drug, marijuana and pain, and the gender differences therein, and more. You can also get your questions in on our chat room here on Spreaker.com. Be right back after this. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. How high do you like your profit margin? CannabisRadio.com. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. The political climate is at a fever pitch, and the fight for the social fabric of America is set for battle this November. Tuesday, November 8th, the Cannabis Liberation Movement takes a huge step forward, and Cannabis Radio is here to chronicle this legendary moment. CannabisRadio.com 
and the Cannabis Radio News team will feature wall-to-wall live coverage of all the coast-to-coast voting of state amendments, ballots, propositions, and initiatives that will further progress the Cannabis Crusade. Join us Thursday, November 8th for Vote 2016, The Path to Cannabis Freedom, only on CannabisRadio.com. You're not high. You're listening to The Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. The Supreme Court is wrong on the Second Amendment. Okay, maybe you're high, too. New beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. The trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. It's time for the Russ Belleville Show's Cannabis Q&A with Dr. Mitch Earlywine. Dr. Earlywine is a professor of psychology at the State University of New York at Albany and a leading author and researcher on cannabinoids and health who pins the Ask Dr. Mitch column for High Times Magazine. Get your questions ready in our live chat or call in to 971-533-7111 now. Welcome back, everybody. Time for our Cannabis Q&A, and we go out to Dr. Mitch Earlywine. Dr. Mitch, can you hear us? Indeed, I can now. Thanks. Fantastic. Glad to have you here on the show. And it looks like our chat room can hear you again, too. So everything is good. (laughs) Let's get on with our discussion. Uh, We cover the latest in cannabis science every Monday here on the show. Uh, Before we begin, we do have a question coming in from our live chat room, which wants to know about your opinion on the FDA's move to bring CBD and other marijuana compounds firmly under FDA regulation. They've stated that CBD, including from hemp, is a controlled, substances, a controlled substance and cannot be marketed as a food or a drug without FDA approval. Do you think there will be enforcement actions against the larger CBD companies that are continuing to market uh, CBD hemp as a, a food or a nutraceutical? I'm afraid at least one of them is bound to take a hit on this that – in a sense, whoever is sort of the most salient or the, the tallest, so to speak, mm-hmm. is going to end up taking a, taking a punch to the face just to sort of serve as an example for all the other CBD companies. This is a ridiculous move. We've got literally a completely non-psychoactive substance uh, potentially produced without any negative consequences or any weird side effects with also some amazing medical properties it, it, it's going to really hurt a lot of people and just force folks into the underground again. I, I'm really disappointed by this, as you can imagine. Yeah, yeah. It seems like some enforcement action is uh, going to happen sometime on this. Uh, another question from our chat room. Uh, we'd heard some reports uh, of studies showing that CBD uh, can be converted to THC in the body. And, and this kind of anecdotally goes back to me talking with uh, Chris Goldstein, who had told me during his two-year federal probation he had tried some CBD and actually felt a psychoactive effect from it. Uh, what's the story on this? There was a time when they thought maybe a moderate dose of CBD had some psychoactive effects. It doesn't look like it actually breaks down into THC under any circumstances. There were some strains that were allegedly uh, having THC break down into CBD as they aged, but actually I've, I've never seen the raw data. It's just been one of those kind of 
uh, legends among the researchers. So I, I honestly, I think if there is any effective CBD that's at all psychoactive, it's probably at moderate doses and really mild. Uh, poor Chris, I, I can imagine after all that time without any cannabis, uh, literally any placebo would have made him feel something. <laughs> that could be uh, indeed the placebo effect. All right. There are some studies that uh, came out over the week that I thought we should talk about. This one got a, a really alarmist headline out of the New York Daily Post about uh, legalizing pot making America's lower classes poorer and less responsible. See, we legalize pot and the poors can't handle it. Uh, This is kind of disheartening. Just the whole tone of the thing is constantly how, you know, poor people are basically evil and we have to baby them because they can't make responsible decisions on their own or something like that. I mean, in fact, all this shows is that people who don't buy into the uh, make a lot of money narrative of America also are willing to defy some of the laws that America has passed that are uh, among the dumber ones. But we also have an odd situation with self-report bias. It wouldn't stun me to learn that people who uh, are willing to confess that they don't necessarily make a lot of money are also willing to confess that they don't use cannabis, whereas folks who are trying to you know, make themselves look great might both say that they make more money than they really make and say they don't use the plant. What about the possibility, uh, you know, someone who's uh, making enough money and has health insurance and a doctor, when they've got anxiety, they go get a a Xanax, uh, whereas the uh, poor working class people smoke a joint? It sounds pretty compelling to me, Rush. All right. Let's – this is a good study here. This one on marijuana use not being associated with adverse outcomes for transplant patients. We've told the story too many times of people kicked off transplant lists and dying because they were legal medical marijuana patients. What does this new science tell us? Well, I want to emphasize that this is not the first time we've seen transplant patients do fine even if they used cannabis. And a subset of emphasized that some of those transplant medications are super nauseating and that the cannabis can actually help them stay on the meds that are important for their immune function when they're adapting to a new organ. I also want to emphasize that this is a bigger sample than a lot of the ones before, so it's really becoming more and more obvious how heartless it is to make folks on transplant lists not use cannabis. Mm. Uh, You know, so many people we've known uh, and covered on this show that that could be alive today had they not been kicked off those lists. It's it's good to know that the science is coming around on this and and more people are listening. Uh, There's a study out on the gateway drug phenomenon, and this time it's not marijuana. They're actually pointing out good old-fashioned booze is the real gateway. Uh, What can we really take away from this? The the logic on this article, I mean, is just a little bit off. What we can really say is, guess what? Alcohol is markedly more addictive than cannabis. <laughs> so the number of folks who use alcohol, of course, is higher than the number of folks who use cannabis. But also the, the number of folks who use alcohol regularly who subsequently become dependent seems to be markedly higher than the number who use cannabis who become dependent. Uh, so the the logic is a little bit weird. There are actually some other data out right now saying uh, regular tobacco use is probably a better predictor of hard drugs than either of these. So kind of kind of a curious way. But I'm always happy to see Brian Bennett's work get a little bit yeah. of credit. 
and I love those graphs. Those are those are wonderful images. You know, when I was first getting into uh, the reform movement, Brian C. Bennett was one of the first guys online who I gravitated toward because I was looking up, you know, I wanted to know national survey on drug use and health tables and, and whatever else. He's got an entire archive out there, and I believe the Baker Institute is now uh, hosting some of his work. So check that out. It's Brian C. Bennett, B-E-N-N-E-T-T, and uh, Baker Institute is probably another place to look for that. Uh, all right, there's uh, an interesting study out on cannabis and pain, and we've uh, dealt with that subject many times. But this one points out a gender-based difference, a sex-based difference, where between men and women on how it helps or doesn't help their pain. What are the details here? So anytime I see gender-moderated effects of cannabis, I, I do have to point towards a, uh, a menstrual cycle issue that's sometimes a confound uh, believe me, my wife never wants to hear me mention menopause when anybody's talking about pain. Um, but the, the, the clincher is, is really, it looks like this is working for the men and not for the women. I need to get the means actually from this paper, and I, I can't seem to get a hold of the standard deviations. It doesn't necessarily show that they're actually different. It just seems to be that the, the women aren't reporting quite the same uh, level of analgesia that the men are. I do want to emphasize, too, that this could be a dose issue because we've seen in the past where there's sort of a, a Goldilocks effect, if you will. There's a there's a, a just right dosage for cannabis and pain. Too much or too little tends to make things uh, not any better, whereas that optimal dose is just right. I'm guessing here, but perhaps the women were smaller body mass, and so this dose was a little too high for them to actually get the optimal level of analgesia, whereas for the men it was okay, and that if they had used just a little less, they might have been just fine. You know, this is something we'll bring up uh, in a little more detail. Uh, when, this Friday, we have uh, Maya Elizabeth on the show from Whoopi and Maya. And, of course, they're making cannabis-based products uh, directed specifically to women and the pain that they uh, go through through uh, menstruation. So uh, it's, it's, it's a topic that doesn't have enough research, right, Dr. Mitch? Sad but true. And, in fact, uh, one of my grad students is sitting on some data right now. She had just emailed me about it. So we're... We're doing all we can to try to address this, but uh, as one of my friends once said, if you want to know something about women's health, don't ask a doctor. You might as well ask a vet. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. Uh, another interesting study that uh, came out through the rest of this last week, heavy marijuana users sleep uh, have worse sleep habits or sleep patterns. Uh, is that true? No, in fact, this is correlational stuff, and I'm afraid it it may actually have the causality completely ass backwards. So they're saying, oh, the folks who are daily cannabis users are the ones who aren't reporting very good sleep relative to the folks who aren't daily users. But it's completely likely that folks are using every day simply because they already have sleep problems. They weren't randomly assigned to use, and what really needs to happen with this is a randomized clinical trial where folks either get marijuana or don't, and then they actually measure their sleep. Don't just go out there and ask folks, how much pot do you smoke? How much do you sleep? Gotcha. And hadn't we gotten reports before about uh, the effect of uh, cannabis use on REM or REM sleep? Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate, but uh, daily cannabis use tends to suppress REM sleep. And so one of the alleged symptoms of what they call withdrawal is uh, nightmares or extreme dreams when you first uh, quit using cannabis after a period, a long stretch of daily use. Um, but again, and we're talking about a really minor thing, the idea that that's dependence is, is kind of comical. But in fact, if you are using a cannabis product to uh, uh, 
keep your sleep going, go ahead and take a day off once in a while and see if uh, in a three-day span you can actually get your sleep down on your own. And I just want to remind folks of good sleep hygiene so they make sure their, you know, their room is an appropriate temperature, that uh, the room is quiet and dark and you know, only use your bed for sex and sleep and you know, do what you can to really make uh, the whole room kind of a cue for drifting off. Excellent advice. And uh, the final thing I wanted to touch on is something we discussed a, a bit last week, but I keep getting questions about it. And it's the uh, the DEA's uh, refusal to reschedule cannabis, uh, which we've already said, you know, you're trying to put a, uh, a leaf-shaped drug through a pill-shaped hole. But the, the silver lining, supposedly, was that they were going to open up more uh, farms for uh, research cultivation other than just the University of Mississippi's pot farm that produces that lousy uh, pre-rolled joints for Irv and Elvie. Uh, Elvie says hi, by the way. <laughs> anyway, uh, the uh, is this going to help at all, having more farms when we still have to go through the same rigmarole to, to even study cannabis? I was super optimistic at first, and we'd at least have multiple strains and, and some doses that went above that 8% THC range. And then I saw the form you have to fill out to apply for the for the farm approval, and I'm super apprehensive. I mean, folks who are willing to do it, I completely bow to you, but man, what what a drag when I saw that. Is that something like what uh, Dr. Sisley would had, had to go through to get the PTS study, uh, PTSD study uh, going? It, it's, it's actually even more complicated because then they have to have a site visit to your farm and make sure you've got approval for every single seed you've ever had and every single place where the, the cannabis could grow so there's no theft. And it's, it's going to be uh, a markedly bigger investment than your, your average cannabis grower is probably going to want to go with. Wow. Well, we still have a lot of work to do to get the uh, plant freed up enough for the, the scientists to, to study it and unlock all this potential that we know is involved. Well, folks, that's all the time we got for our cannabis Q&A segment. We do it every Monday here on the Russ Belleville Show. And if you didn't get your question in or you just want to keep it private, you can always send an email to Dr. Mitch at 420research at gmail.com. That's 420research at gmail.com. Dr. Mitch, thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks so much. Stay tuned, folks. we got more highlights from the 25th anniversary Seattle Hemp Fest, my speech at the Cavi Gold stage, kind of a smaller stage with kind of an intimate uh, crowd setting. I told them my history as a cannabis consumer and how rock and roll led me to Mary Jane. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. to sale, clicks to conversions, and more. You're listening to the Cannabis Radio Network. <sighs> cash? Sorry. I don't carry around cash, and I don't want to use the ATM and pay surcharges. You don't need to carry cash. Haven't you heard about PayQuick? Okay, tell me about PayQuick. It's the safe and easy way to pay. It works just like your debit card to securely pay for your purchase. And it gives you rewards points every time you use it. Nice. Pay quick. The safe and easy way to pay. P-A-Y-Q-W-I-C-K dot com. I'm Radical Russ from the Russ Belleville Show. 
We're here with Sir Richard Branson. Far more damage has been done to people by the current approach. Jim McMahon, you know, a lot of the coaches are old school. You know, he used to just yell at us, go, oh, you bunch of bot smokers. John Popper on the telephone. You know, I think in the 60s there was that kind of, the bigotry wasn't so common. It's the Russ Belville Show, the NPR of POT, weekdays live at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific, exclusively on CannabisRadio.com. This is the Russ Belleville Show. Annoying Kevin Sabat since 2012. Don't want to spend money on a night out, but don't know what to do other than watching TV or playing video games? Consider playing guitar, bass, banjo, or mandolin. The instrument will give you hours of entertainment with friends with minimal expense. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension, downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today, or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. must wage what I have called total war against public enemy number one. Ask for a change in law to end federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. That marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most dangerous drug. Some think there won't be room for them in jail. We'll make room. I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it and didn't inhale. And one major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate. Radical Rant. Welcome back, everyone, for the Radical Rant. We go back to the Cavi Gold stage Saturday at Hempfest. Far out. My name is Radical Russ Belville. I'm with CannabisRadio.com. I do a live daily two-hour talk radio show that covers all the news and the science and all the stuff going on in the world of marijuana legalization. But before I did all that, I was one of these guys. Back in the 90s, I used to play rock and roll. I had hair back then. I miss my hair. Every time I hear stages like this, I'm like, God damn, shit. Miss my hair, man. But I came, I came to weed through rock and roll. I, my dad was a, a, a drug and alcohol counselor, so like it was. I grew up in the '80s as well. Just say no. Hell, they had the first lady on like different strokes. Arnold, just say no. It was awful, man. It was terrible. And and so I got into this rock band, and I'd never never smoked weed. I'd never even seen weed. Like I was t- like 22 years old before I smoked weed. No way. T- 22 is crazy. Like. Every, all, all of my friends are like, dude, I was like 12. <laughs> like, where were you? I'm like, I was in Idaho. Okay, give me a break. Not my fault. But uh, I was in this band, and, and, and I'd been drinking up till then. Oh, yeah, I've been drinking. Some reason that wasn't a drug. You could drink. You could drink. I started drinking when I was 16. We, we snuck wine coolers. Remember Bartles and James wine coolers, man? We snuck Bartles and James wine coolers in our trench coats to Ghostbusters, the original Ghostbusters. <laughs> Right? Snuck him in. Got all drunk in the movie, right? Set them all down on the floor, and my buddy's like, dude, when you get up, don't kick the bottles. Kick. Click, 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 click. And they roll all the way down the movie theater. Click, 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 click. So I've been drinking for years. Oh, man, I've been drinking. I, I drank more than you, faster than you, longer than you, better than you. I was a professional drinker. I had it down. I had it so, down so well that it was beginning to really interfere with my uh, uh, college, right? Like, I was a really smart guy. I was one of those nerds. I was honor society guy. The college, man, I died out. 1.88 GPA. Man, right to hell, man. Spent all my college loan money. That was all gone. So I was a drinker, man. I never, but of course, I didn't have a problem with drugs. I didn't do drugs. Just say no to drugs. 
So I'm in this band, and we had a 4th of July gig. It's 1990. After the gig, great gig. We go up to the hotel room. They're all long-haired guys, and I just got down to the National Guard, so I'm just barely starting to grow my hair, and it got longer in the 90s. But So we go up to the hotel room, and then one of them whips out a joint. One of the long-haired guitar players whips out a joint. Starts passing it around. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm in a band that does drugs. All these guys do drugs. Oh, my God. They do drugs. The joint's starting to get passed around. It's coming close to me. I'm getting nervous. I'm like, oh, these guys. It comes to me, and I'm like, "Uh, uh, no thanks. And they went, oh, all right. And that was my first clue. That was my first clue. It's like, wait a minute. What's the, come on, you pussy. You got to do it. What kind of man? Because that was happening with alcohol, right? Guys, you know, growing up, it's like, drink, 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 jug, jug. Weed, it was like, oh, good, more for us. <laughs> I kept passed around. About three or four times around with a joint, and they're just giggling and laughing and shit and talking, and, and the guitar player's playing some really cool noodly shit, right? I'm like, oh, that's great. And I'm like, oh, let me try that. Give me, yeah, give me that. Let me see. And that was when it hit me. I was like, wait a minute. This is drugs. This is what you wanted me to stay away from. I just feel mellow. I, I, I've got the munchies, and everything is really funny. I've been spending six years puking on my shoes, waking up with strange ladies, and flunking out of college over alcohol, and this is what you were keeping me from. And from that moment, man, I was pissed off. It was like, how dare you try to keep this away from me? Especially, like, the next day. You know, you wake up that next day, and you're like, what, no hangover? No, you know, aches and pains? No scrapes from getting in a fight? This is what we're trying to keep from people. And it was that realization, and and it was nothing to me for years. Like, I kept playing rock music, and this was Idaho, right? So we had to keep it on the DL, right? (laughs) Keep it completely hidden as much as you could, being long-haired rock musicians. And, uh... Got later on in the 90s, and then I, and I met this woman who would later become my wife, who's now my ex-wife, but that's irrelevant at this point. And I'd never thought of it as medicine, right? It was like, hey, we're just, you know, pot-smoking musicians. woo party, right? Well, she had endometriosis, which is like periods times a million, I guess. And then she had uh, 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 migraine headaches, right? And then so she's like, no, I don't smoke pot. I don't smoke pot. My brothers smoke pot. They're, just, they're total potheads. I don't want to smoke pot. It's okay for you, though. You do just fine on it. I'm like, okay, whatever. And then like about the sixth time, she got these one of these serious migraines and wanted to get taken to the emergency room. And I kept looking at her pocketbook and we're out of money. I'm like, why don't you try smoking a joint? I could never do that. I'd be a potty. You just try smoking a joint. I'd take you to the emergency room. And she's got that migraine aura going on. <laughs> she's like, all right, I'll try it. She got that same look I got 10 years ago when she went, this is pot? What? Because the migraine went, boom, just went right away. Like watching a cartoon now, boom. And so at that moment, I said, well, honey, now we got to move. I've been a stoner in Idaho for a decade. I know how to get away with this shit. You're going to get me busted. (laughs) You're going to mess this all up for me. We're going to Oregon. So we left for Oregon in 2003. I started getting involved with activism, started going to different rallies and meetings and, and marches when I started meeting medical marijuana patients and people with MS who like, you know, would be in crippling pain and then they smoke some weed and they were cool. I met people, this woman who uh, has this Tourette's disorder, but she's like, really tick, right? She's totally tick, 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 tick. And she's a graphic designer. Like, wow, that takes fine motor coordination to do that, you know, whether you're doing it digitally or with paintbrushes or whatever. And uh, yeah, she uses her cannabis oil. Boom. She's totally calm. She's gets her work done. 
And I met more and more of these people and I thought, wow, it's not just partying and having fun. It's also medicine. And that's one thing I, I worry about sometimes when we talk about medical marijuana is we try to separate us. No, I don't think it's separate at all. I think it's all one thing. I think all that pot smoking I was doing in the 90s was keeping me from drinking myself to death or ending up with a heroin overdose. There's something medical to that in there. So I said I wasn't going to take too much of the time, but I'm taking a little bit of time because it meant a lot to me that we got this caddy gold stage for the first year here at Seattle Hemp Fest. This is my like 12th Hemp Fest that I've come to. And it's great to have this stage, Cavi Gold. Scott McKinley and the people with Cavi Gold and Caviar Gold have been doing so much to support this. And as we legalize, there's a lot of people that are jumping into this because of money. I, I get, like I do my cannabis radio talk show, and I get to talk to all these business entrepreneurs and these investment fund guys that are pumping millions and billions into this. And they don't know the culture. They don't know what it was like to be outside of a redneck bar in Mountain Home, Idaho in the in the alley, cupping your joint inside so the cherry wouldn't show to the cop that's parked over there looking for guys to catch in the dark parking lot. They don't know what we went through. They don't know us losing our jobs, losing our kids, losing our families because we got caught for weed. I lost a career in information technology because the hair in my armpits said that I was a pot smoker. That's right. I've been doing a job for two years and they said, well, you got to take a drug test. I said, okay, I can pass a pee test. No, it's a hair test. I said, well, hair test, go for it. <laughs> what are you going to find? Oh, they'll find some hair. Oh, now, hold on a minute. <laughs> oh, this job that bad. No, they, 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 a woman shaved the hair off my armpits and chest and collected a little plastic bag to prove that I was a pot smoker. No good at the job I'd been doing for two years. And so those little things, they pile up and they piss you off. And it's important to not get too pissed off. It's important to direct that the right way. And then some of us, especially in rock and the rock culture, have a very anti-authoritarian attitude with good reason. We've been busted because our hair was too long. We had tattoos or whatever it is. We like we got a Slayer sticker on the back of the window or something. They don't like that. They're gonna oh you don't hear us. Look at you. So we have this anti-authoritarian attitude, which sometimes makes us go well. Screw the system. We're not gonna vote. It doesn't happen. Doesn't matter. Right? Which is great for them. They love that when you bow out. Oh, you're not gonna vote. Great. We don't need your vote. We don't want you to tell us what to do. Great. And it feels like it doesn't do anything, but the very fact that we're here right now smoking pot in a big old park and nobody's doing anything about it kind of shows you that voting does do something. Doesn't always work the way we want it. Doesn't always get you everything you want, but the stone said you can't always get what you want. But try some time, you might find to get what you need. What I need is some rock and roll and some weed. So thank you for listening to me, Randon, because it's my kind of an anniversary for me at Seattle Hemp Fest, and it's 25th Hemp Fest, and it's the first year of Cavi Gold Stage. A lot of cool things going on. I'm Radical Russ. You can find me online as Radical Russ on anything that has a username. I probably have a MySpace account still. I don't know. But if I do, it's Radical Russ out there. Thanks for listening to me on CannabisRadio.com. I appreciate taking the time to listen. Have fun. Rock on. Oh, so much fun at the Cavi Gold Stage. Shout out to Scott McKinley and all the great artists that were playing there. I tell you, the bands at Seattle Hemp Fest, that's where it's going to Seattle Hemp Fest alone is just the great music that you're going to hear there. Some up-and-coming bands, all different genres, lots of different stages. Every stage has its own kind of theme and its own kind of feel. 
We're going to get more from the Seattle Hemp Fest coming up here in hour two. Elise McDonough, the edibles editor from High Times Magazine, stopped by backstage. We got a chat with her. Seattle Hemp Fest chief green bud performance with special guest me on the main stage. A long discussion with Ed, New Jersey weed man Fortune, and Nurse Heather from Cannabis Radio. We're going here at Cannabis Radio. I'm Radical Russ. Thanks for joining us. Stay tuned for Hour 2. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. It's time for Toker Talk Radio, the voice of the marijuana nation. What are you people? On dope? Or you can toke. I am here. Or you can talk. I experimented with marijuana and didn't inhale. Or you can toke and talk. Ten federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. While we talk about toke on Toker Talk Radio. So, by the way, when it comes to pot, you know, if you're 40 years old, you live in a log cabin in Oregon, you got 12 giant pot plants in your backyard, have a ball. Live from beautiful Portland, Oregon at Rolla J Studios. Plus your calls live at 971-533-7111. They're walking on their pants with their cap on backwards, listening to the end of a man, the Snoopy Snoopy Poop Dog. What's to keep somebody from getting all potted up on weed and then getting behind the wheel? Gateway theory doesn't work. It's a reality. Holland, is it real? We're locking up people that take a couple of puffs of marijuana, and, and the, the next thing you know, they got 10 years. And now, here's your host, the guru of ganja graphics, the sultan of sativa statistics, and the worst nightmare of a reefer mad prohibitionist. A polite, perspicacious, productive pothead with a propensity for PowerPoint. Radical Russ Belleville. Well, 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 welcome to Hour 2 Toker Talk Radio from the beautiful Pacific Northwest, where it was hot this weekend. Well, it was hot by Pacific Northwest standards. We got all the way to 100 degrees. Yes, you heard that right, my friends in Arizona. <laughs> we got triple digits in the Pacific Northwest. And, and we're such delicate flowers here. In the Pacific Northwest, man, we get 100 degree heat and everybody freaks out. Oh, my God, it's 100. Like the news is running specials on how to like run fans. <laughs> like if you want to keep your house cool, try drawing the shades and running fans. Thank you, news. <laughs> so I'll tell you what, though, I'll take 100. I'll take 100 degrees in Seattle, Washington, over 88 degrees in Miami, Florida, any day of the week. Totally different kind of hot we're talking about. 
Well, we had a hot time at the Seattle Hemp Fest this weekend. Uh, Friday and Saturday were those really high temperatures, upper 90s, and it kind of kept people in the shade, kept them under the booths and such. Uh, Sunday got a little cooler and more people milling about. My pictures are going to be posted as soon as possible. SoundCloud audio is already up if you go to soundcloud.com slash Radical Russ. If you miss any of the replays or want to catch others that I don't play on the show, uh, you can go to soundcloud.com slash Radical Russ. Coming up in this hour, replays from Seattle Hemp Fest include Elise McDonough, the Edibles editor from High Times Magazine. My performance with Chief Greenbud on the main stage at Seattle Hemp Fest. We've got Ed, New Jersey weed man Fortune, and the story of his temple, his battle with the cops, and how they stole and crushed his beloved weed mobile. And we'll close things out with Nurse Heather from Cannabis Radio. Great time at the Seattle Hemp Fest. Visit hempfest.org. Donate if you want to go someday in the future. You better give now while you still can. I'm Radical Russ. We're back right after this. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Every strain, every sale, every medical study. Keep it right here on the Cannabis Radio Network. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. About a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow! The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put the big celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is Hemping, that's the point. Download and play while you life yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Tommy Chong is ready to cut through the smoke and change the tone of Tilk Radio. Obama, for instance, no matter what he said, there's a whole bunch of people that are going to be against him for saying whatever it is. Santa Claus is a nice guy. Someone says, Santa Claus must be a thief if Obama likes him. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a racist attitude. The Tommy Chung Podcast, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome to my world. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. I am a round peg in a square hole. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. Are you playing an acoustic guitar but want to be louder without an amp? Try a resonator guitar. The fingerboard extension has national resophonic and other resonators, square necks and round necks. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. Go wild hog in the woods. Pod 2.0. It's not your father's Woodstock weed. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. 
Welcome back, everyone. We're going to continue our replays from the Seattle Hemp Fest this weekend, 25th anniversary Hemp Fest, my 12th. And one of the advantages I get of going to Seattle Hemp Fest all these years is uh, getting a lot of access to the people on the stages and behind the stages. On Friday, I spent uh, the day behind the main stage, staying in the shade, trying to avoid that uh, 95, 98 degree heat, whatever it was, when I got a visit from Elise McDonough, the edibles editor from High Times Magazine. She sat down for a brief discussion. Hope you enjoy. Good day, tokers and toquettes and non-toking lovers of liberty. Radical Russ backstage at the 25th anniversary Seattle Hempfest. We've run into Elise McDonough, the edibles editor at High Times Magazine. How you doing, Elise? I'm doing great. It's a beautiful day here at Hempfest, and I always just love being part of this community up here. People are so welcoming and so friendly. It is. It's like the family reunion, and it's the 25th one. How many of these have you been to? I have been to like three or four over the years, and of course, yeah, I missed last year's uh, torrential downpour that you just mentioned. Yeah, there's a guy building a hemp arc last year. It was amazing. <laughs> it's tough to run events, and it's tough when you're at the mercy of the weather, and so that I hope it bounces back this year and people donate and uh, help Hemp Fest out of the tight spot that they're in right now. Yeah, it's tough when you lose a whole day, one-third of your fundraising for a, a, an annual event, and on top of that, they lost their presenting sponsor this year. Uh, that's another fifty thousand they've got to make up. So, folks, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, "Man, I want to go to Seattle Hemp Fest someday," well, you better kick in because <laughs> this costs money to put this on. Because someday is now. That's definitely true. And uh, you know, there's a big misperception that you know Hemp Fest. Oh, it's so big. It's been going on for so long. You know, people kind of take it for granted. They yep. they think it's oh, they must be doing fine. They must have be rolling in dough and that's just not the case you know every year is just scraping by you know by their fingernails to make it and a lot of people donating their own time and money in some cases to make this continue so check out hempfest.org there will be a way to donate you can also go to gofundme.com slash keep hempfest alive if you want to donate now elise we know you from your uh cookbook that you've got out on on cannabis uh infused cooking and you're the edibles editor at high times this is an area where as legalization happened, it kind of caught everyone by surprise how much people would be into edible products. Uh, give us your take on you know the past four years in the legalization era and how the edibles world has exploded. The edibles world has been a very interesting example to watch because what people sort of didn't realize, you know, what the squares out there the sort squares. of didn't get was that it is a powerful psychedelic when it is consumed and ingested. And it took people by surprise because of the intensity and duration of the high and because people are so ignorant of how to use cannabis they don't understand what a proper dose is or how it will affect them and how long it takes to take effect so i think that the most important thing is just to constantly repeat the mantra of go low and go slow start with a low dose Remember that it's going to take at least two hours for you to feel it, so don't eat more because then in four hours you're going to have a kind of an avalanche of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, blissful effects. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always say, I always say, uh, take your small dose of edible and watch a movie. 
Most movies, hour and a half long, you know, and then maybe give yourself a little time and then figure out where you want to go. Then it's a double feature, most likely. Make it a double feature. <laughs> there you go. And that's been the interesting thing to watch is because growing up in our society, alcohol is absolutely everywhere. We are awash in alcohol. You learn from example as a young person, you know, watching the people around you, how they drink, what to do, what not to do. And, you know, hopefully by the time you graduate from college, you've mastered that social ritual. Yeah. And there's not really examples like that for edibles. So people just don't understand how to use it properly to have the best time. And another important thing to remember is, like, just because your friend can eat 50 milligrams and he's maybe, you know, weighs around the same as you, that doesn't mean that you can eat the same mm-hmm. dose because mm-hmm. everyone's body is so different. Yeah, absolutely. I know uh, I can toke all day and do my show and write my articles and everything's fine. I'm at an event like this and someone's like, hey, you want a cookie? No. <laughs> I need my, my rule for edibles is I need a quiet space and a place to lay down. <laughs> and that's the best use for them. Honestly, it's, it's something that's best enjoyed at home where you're safe and relaxed and can enjoy all those rejuvenating effects that edibles really do bring. And that's another thing to remember is that it's not necessarily a party substance. It is something that I find very meditative, um, a great sleep aid, and is a wonderful substitute for alcohol. Like there's so many people out there who they have to have a drink before they can go to sleep just to unwind, just to relax. Mm-hmm. And I think offering that choice and that substitute is a very, very valuable function of edible cannabis. Mm. I, I, you make a really good point about the getting the education on the norms uh, of using a substance. And when you bring up alcohol, this is fascinating to me because I, I did some research the other day um, because that, that story came out about more teens are smoking pot than binge drinking. And so I thought, all right, well, let's look at binge drinking rates. And around America, it's, you know, 20%, 23 whatever it was, you know, one out of four something-ish. And then I looked at Europe. And the binge drinking rates among European kids are like two out of three, like 67, 70, 80% in some places. Then you look at their drinking age. Their drinking age for beer and wine is 16 in most places, 18 for hard liquor. And yet, they have less of the drunk driving accidents, less of the domestic violence, less of, you know, all the problems that we see. And some of the social scientists theorize it's because these young teenagers get acclimatized to what the norms are about alcohol, and then they don't, they're not like Americans that turn 21 and then boom, it's, you know, keg stand time. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's about learning um, from cultural traditions, from seeing how your parents are enjoying wine with their dinner, and then exactly like you said, if you're, you know, 15, 16, a uh, European teenager, your parents are most likely going to offer you a glass of wine at dinner and you're going to learn how to consume it in an environment that is culturally appropriate. Whereas we don't really have that for cannabis yet. And like, I feel like, you know, people like us in our generation, we're sort of, the generations who have come before us are showing young people that example today. Yeah, the other, the other issue with the edibles has been a political one where our opponents have seized upon the increasing numbers of emergency room visits for kids that got into the to the edible, got into the candy or whatever it might have been. Changes in the law in, in Colorado can't have gummies that are shaped like, you know, people or animals or anything like that. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, the, the, the stats that are coming out, people's fears about that and how our opponents might use it. 
Well, it is definitely more of a political controversy than an actual public health crisis. And I've done a lot of reporting on this for HighTimes.com, and I've followed the regulations you know, pretty closely. And so what's happening now is that they've restricted certain candy shapes, mostly because they don't want people to mistake cannabis-infused foods for regular products. And so that bill was very narrowly focused to eliminate just things that imitate mainstream candy. Okay. You know, like people who are buying bulk candy and just spraying it with cannabis tincture. Mm, yeah. That's kind of a not the best representation of edible cannabis. Yeah. And so they they've really narrowly that's focused that. That's the Spicer that. K2 of, yeah, yeah, yeah. I <laughs> of mean, gummies. I, I wrote a whole article about it on HighTimes.com called Are THC Gummy Bears Worth Defending? Because is this really the best format? Does it inherently attract children? Are there any reasons why adults must have a gummy bear that looks just like a regular gummy bear? Is that something that we're prepared to defend and is that the best use of our time? Yeah. And so, you know, as it continues to evolve there, they're also going to require everyone to stamp a a diamond-shaped warning that says THC on every single product (laughs) so that it's identifiable as containing THC even when outside of its packaging. Yes. But... It'll do nothing to solve this problem of uh, accidental ingestion by toddlers because toddlers will put anything in their mouths. They'll eat batteries. (laughs) They'll eat Tide detergent pods. They'll eat makeup. And all of those things are much more dangerous than cannabis. And when you look at the stats from the poison control centers, the overall amount of cases from accidental ingestion of marijuana are still very, very low compared to the amount of products that are being sold in Colorado. Yeah, I I laughed while you were discussing that because when this first became an issue, I kept advocating, saying, look, if you want to keep the kids or to let people know that it's a pot-infused thing, shape it like a pot leaf. Mm -hmm. Pot leaf shaped gummies or stamp something that looks like a pot leaf. No, no, we we can't use the pot leaf. That would would, uh, be promoting marijuana. So instead, they're going to go with a diamond with THC in it that you're going to have to teach a kid what that means. <laughs> it seems counterintuitive. Yeah. And it really is less about protecting children than it is about trying to roll back this law that the prohibitionists don't like in the first place. Right. So they're seizing on this controversial issue mm-hmm. in order to attempt to make all marijuana use look bad and yeah. trying to stuff us back into that closet where people are not going to go. Yeah. And another important thing to take into consideration is that if a toddler accidentally ingests marijuana and goes to the children's hospital or you know whatever facility they visit no one is taking any data collection to find out if the product that caused that hospital visit originated from a licensed producer or a black market Mm. making your own homemade brownies yeah so there's really no way of knowing how much of a problem this really is. Right. More data is always a good thing, if you ask me. And I think, you know, you mentioned that they're chipping away at our, our newfound freedom. I've, I've compared the, the place we're in right now is kind of, I call it like the TARP era, like what they're using with abortion providers, the target abortion, whatever that stands for, where they know they can't overturn Roe v. Wade. So let's force them to have eight foot hallways and, you know, whatever ridiculous measure to try to make it impractical. Just lots of red tape, lots of regulations, and in Colorado, especially constantly changing regulations so that as soon as you've you know, retooled your business practices to adjust to one new set of regulations, all of a sudden, a few months later, you have to go through that process again. Yeah. It's very burdensome, and a lot of people 
can't afford to make these changes to their labeling, packaging, what have you. And it just makes the cost of business, you know, much, much higher and much more difficult. Yeah. If we, are, if we ever want to get to the world of the uh, $20 ounces, <laughs> we have to get past all this red tape and constantly changing laws. It'll be a constantly evolving situation. And as we're seeing here in Washington, you know, the legalization that happened here wasn't really what everybody wanted. A lot of people are very unhappy about it. So it's only the beginning of this struggle to move forward and to continue to push for the legalization that we all want. And it's just, it's going to take a long time. And so I hope that people have the patience and the fortitude for that process. Elise McDonough is the High Times Cultivation, or not Cultivation, uh, Edibles Editor. Danny, where's Danny? Uh, the <laughs> High Times Edibles Editor. And uh, you've got a cookbook out. Tell people about that, where they can find it and such. Yes, I'm the author of the High Times Cannabis Cookbook, which is available on hightimes.com at our head shop or through Amazon. Um, I also see it in a lot of bookstores these days, so it's still out there. I'm also the author of uh, Marijuana for Everybody, which is more of a general guide uh, about cannabis and cooking and all sorts of things about the plant. And uh, both of those books were published from Chronicle Books. Fantastic. All right. And, of course, HighTimes.com, we can find your writing there as well. Yes. Uh, Every week there's a new recipe column on HighTimes.com, and you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at EliseMcD420. All right. E-L-I-S-E-M-C-D-420. And uh, so good to see you, Russ, and I hope you have a wonderful hemp fest. All right. Stay cool, and uh, we'll be back with more here from Seattle Hemp Fest. Unbelievable. <laughs> well, folks, it's uh, that time here. It's 420 somewhere. It's actually 420 right here in beautiful Eagle Potland, Oregon, and the rest of the Pacific time zone. So spark them if you got them. We got a special musical 420 break for you from the Seattle Hemp Fest main stage. It's Chief Greenbud and me. Country again. I can feel all country. Well, it doesn't matter what time it is, it's always time for this song, man. What time is it after all? So, if you watch the clock to smoke your pot, then you should know you're not alone. If your grass is like molasses hydrogrown, that gets you stoned. If you're counting the hours, watching the minutes, that special time when everyone hits it, take it from me, you're really not that far away. I said to roll me something fat and long, well pass me a bowl or you can fill me a bomb. It only comes twice a day, but I don't care. It's 420 somewhere This smoke break is gonna make my afternoon When I get high And even if it's my last but I'll smoke it up It'll be alright Cause I've been sitting here waiting for what seems like a year Seattle Connection said he'd meet me here. If the phone's for me, tell him he better be on his way. And you can run 
something fat and long Pass me a bowl and you can fill me a bomb It only comes twice a day, but I don't care it's 4.20 somewhere Well, I spent all my cash Replenished my stash But it's only a quarter of two At a moment like this I can't help but wonder What would Russ Belleville do? Well, I'd say, uh Fire that boy up! You can roll me something fat and long Pass me a bowl you can fill me a bomb It only comes twice a day, but I don't care I said you roll me something fat and long Pass me a bowl and you can fill me a bomb It only comes twice a day, but I don't don't care. And it's 4.20 somewhere. Yeah. I think it needs to be about 4.20 right now. So fire it up if you got it. We have your smoking section right here. This is the Cannabis Radio Network. Play as Ted Growing, expelled botany sophomore and the biggest grower in town, only on Weed Firm Replanted. Available on the App Store and Google Play. It's a lot of work being the biggest grower in town. Maintaining a room full of plants while dealing with a slew of eccentric customers, from a hardcore partier to the curious neighbor next door. Is anybody home? Help me expand my bud business by unlocking new strains, customizing my grow room, and completing challenges that you can't get enough of. Grow your empire so big you can see it from space. Low on funds? Don't worry. Weed Firm Replanted is free to download. Download Weed Firm Replanted for free on the App Store and Google Play today. Get growing, Mr. Growing. Get the latest updates on the Russ Belleville Show by following Radical Russ on Twitter and liking the Russ Belleville Show on Facebook. New beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. The trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. Warning, hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. <coughs> or at least they pay me to say that. This is Dan Michaels from danmichaelsaudio.com. And you're listening to Radical Russ on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone. 25 after the hour. My thanks to Chief Greenbud for uh, getting me on stage with him there at the Seattle Hemp Fest. We got more Seattle Hempfest coverage for you. I got to sit down on Friday with New Jersey weed man Ed Fortune. We talked about his temple and the sad tale of the police seizure of the weedmobile.
Good day, tokers and tokettes and non-toking lovers of Liberty. Radical Russ here backstage at the 25th anniversary Seattle Hemp Fest. And I'm joined by the man, the myth, the legend, Ed Fortune. The New Jersey Weed Man is here. How you doing, Ed? I'm good. I'm good, Russ. How are you? I'm, I'm glad to have you here. I've been following your exploits out there with your temple out in uh, New Jersey. Give people the rundown on what you've been doing and how the cops have been uh, busting you. <laughs> well, lately it's just been... Uh... We're going, we're going tit for tat at yeah. each other. But um, you know, for those who don't know, about a little bit more than a year ago, I opened a restaurant and a, and a temple in downtown Trenton, New Jersey. And I thought I had hit like a gold mine, and it was going to become like this nice spiritual destination place. And the first ten months, that's how it was. I mean, I had there were people coming in. There's television. There was <laughs> Wall Street Journal covered it. I really felt like I had made this concept main street in new jersey well at least uh state street that's where i'm located <laughs> and you know right across the street from city hall and now all that was planned you're not hiding nothing not you're hiding up front nothing. with these guys exactly well everything was fine until uh february this year and then it seemed like all hell broke loose basically had a uh i got into a pissing contest with a with a with a captain and a lieutenant on the police department where they argued that I had to close at 11 o'clock at night, both my business and my temple. And my argument was, I'm a temple. I don't have to. So there's no argument about the business. They have business hour laws yep. or something? Yep. Okay. There okay. Is a, there, there's a legitimate, and, and my business was closed, but they wanted to insist that it was all the same. No. Okay. And I'm saying, no, there's two separate entities here in this build. Actually, it's three entities in this one building. But... You know, because they're not I, running around closing yeah. down Catholic midnight mass. Yes, and that's exactly right. what I said. <laughs> you know? And I don't know; it just became a pissing contest. But they would show up with twenty-one police officers and a dog, and say it's after eleven. <laughs> you know, like they really didn't want me selling chicken wings after eleven. <laughs> like it's so funny. I even made a hashtag: no chicken wings after 11. <laughs> so, I want your listeners now, go to that hashtag, yeah. no chicken, chicken wings after, after 11. 11. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Love it. Love it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it turned into a full-fledged battle. I, I, I used my camera system to videotape. The, and, and you have to understand, I made an announcement to everybody that I was trying to do a reality show there. I installed, like, this big $10,000 uh, camera system. We had all these floaters there. And we were taking, capturing video of people coming and hanging out. And right in the middle of that, the police officers started harassing us. So, of course, our cameras and our editing focused now on them. And it turned into, like, Trenton Police Police Department. And you know what the police did? They raided us and took all our camera system and all our hard drives. Of course. They took the show. Yeah. They stole our intellectual property. So that's part of the argument you'll see coming out soon. But... Police officers aren't that smart. If you arrest somebody and you take all their shit, then all their shit becomes a discovery and you're allowed to have it anyway. Right. So, I don't know. Like, but that <laughs> it just didn't make sense the way, you know, somebody had to think this out. Yeah. What? He has a camera system and he's recording us and he's putting it on the internet? Let's go take it. Right. <laughs> didn't think to step two, though. A lawyer would have knew right away. Wow. If you take it and he fights it, it, it he's going to get it all in the discovery anyway. He's going to put it on the internet anyway. Right. You know and, what I mean? With like, extra exposure yes, because of the scandal. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I don't know. And that's exactly what happened that night. I can tell you the night it happened. On, on, the, on the 28th of February, 
this, this police officer showed up at about 1 o'clock in the morning and told us that we had to shut it down. And, like, I, I said no. And it became a tit-for-tat, you know. It was a pissing contest. And I basically was telling him, but this is a church. It's a temple. I registered it that way. I, you know, and I explained it to him. And he went from being a police officer when he started losing the argument he, t- he just went meathead. Just totally like, okay, here's the deal. It's after 11 o'clock, and either everyone has to leave or we're coming in. Like, after he went there, I went inside and I told everyone what he said and said that, listen, I'm going to stay here, but if anybody wants to leave, like, now's the time to leave. And about 30 people left. About 15 people stayed. I was one of them. You know, after a few minutes, the police officers left. But then they came and did it again the next week. You know, like just showed up on Saturday night and just like just did this. So I filed a lawsuit against the police department that they were harassing me. Right. You know, which is funny. Then they filed in their response, in their police report, they lied. They said that they came there because of a fight, because of disturbances. Listen. The entire system is... Wait, is there was recorded. a fight at the pot temple? Yeah. This is right. what they, no, this is what they said. <laughs> right. This is what they wrote in their police report. Yeah, yeah. You know? But they seized the camera system that shows that that's not true. Right. right? But I had... I don't know. I had I had argued that this was this was incredible how, how I had proof that they were lying. Right. And they came and stole it. And, like, it's for some reason, no one thought, I have a right to it no matter what. I think I, I, think I should give it back anyway. Um... I don't know if they're going to file any asset forfeiture charges on me. Um, the ironic thing about the camera system that they came and stole, guess they charged me for having it. Now, there was a law that was developed in the, in the late 1980s, early 90s in New Jersey, and it was, it was designed to stop crack houses. Okay. And, and, I'll, and I'll explain that law first. It's called, it called a fortification law. You're not allowed to fortify your house, which, which is kind of funny. These, these are these Can't are make lo- moats and armor yeah, and shit. Yeah, but these are, these are these are these are laws that are only enforced in urban areas. Oh, it's called it's a, called a fortification law. I'll explain why it happened, but the same exact thing happens like, like in suburban towns they call them safe houses. Right. In in an urban area, the same exact thing doing the same exact thing would be called fortifying your fortify fortification, and you can be charged with it. Damn. And, right. And now it, it came from during the 80s and ni- early 90s, the crack houses, people would, would, would set up crack houses with a little opening and someone would come and you just reach your hand in. You would never see who it was and they'd pass it. And then when the police showed up trying to break the door down, it would be, it would be so barricaded inside, the whole inside. They could, by the time the police would get in there, either it was flushed down the system or the barrel of acid would, would, would be bubbling when the police officers got up there. You know, and that was all they would get. So they made these laws about fortifying the place and all that and whatever. So that's a, that's a law in itself with a mandatory term that can't be served concurrent with um, whatever other charge you get hit with. Wow. Like, it's meant and designed to really punish Has to be consecutive you. term. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. So it's you get in the, leg- in the legislation. Well, that was in the early 90s. Everybody didn't have camera systems now, but then, but everyone has camera systems now. That was one of the things that's in there. And, yo, I have a business. Also, Why wouldn't so the I have a camera system? law was to not have surveillance. Crack houses. Okay. Right? Part okay. of the crack houses. It said if they were designed 
to like warn the police. Yeah. Warn you of the police coming. Right, right. Lookouts. Yeah, and like this here, I mean, my camera system was a security system and it was put there for a reality show. Right. Like, what are you talking about? You're going to, like, they reach so far back, it just seems vindictive and punitive for them to do this, which is funny. I don't think any jury is going to find me guilty of that. They all have, half my jurors are going to have cameras, too. This has nothing even to do with weed. Right, now. right, right. And they all charge me with fortification of a building. Just that charge alone, when I, when I dispute that to, to, a, to a juror, I'm a, how many of you have cameras in your house? Yeah. <laughs> do you understand, <laughs> understand if the police raided your house now and you had drugs in there? Just say you had marijuana. Your son had marijuana. Your kids had marijuana in the house. You can be found guilty of fortification of your your premises like I'm charged with. Yeah. Like it's really but really what it was was vindictive. They wanted to steal sure my camera system. And, and and hasn't this now gone to the point of them seizing the weed mobile? And they seized my weed This mobile. is like this is like the cops taking away the mystery machine from Scooby Doo. This ain't yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> ain't I've right. compared it to Batman. I mean Batman's, Batmobile, yeah. Batman's got a Batmobile, Weed Man had a Weed Mobile. And you know, can you imagine if Batman had his Batmobile taken and crushed? It's, oh, so it's just destroyed now. They took the weed mobile and they crushed it. It's a block of steel. There was a reporter trying to get a picture of the block the other day. Yeah. The, the, uh, the place that has it wouldn't let them so take So how did it get to the it. point of it being destroyed, though? I mean, they don't normally do that, do they? It, no. They, it was vindictive. Yeah. Um, they raided my, my location on April 27th. Okay. Okay. They raided it. On the 29th, I went up there, and they, and they towed three cars including the Mobile. On the 29th, I got bailed out, and then I went to bail the cars out. And they said that they were seizing it under asset forfeiture laws. Yeah. Okay. Nothing I can do about that now but wait and fight it out. Sure. Okay. Well, apparently, at some point, the police made a decision not to include it under the asset forfeiture laws. Okay. So the tow company now is racking up a bill and everything. Uh. And, and the tow company... Because no one said anything, because I didn't say anything, because they told me it was seasoned under asset forfeiture. So I didn't say anything to the tow company. I was just like, this is going to be part of the case as it proceeds through. The, the tow company, after something's not uh, claimed within a certain amount of time, gets a salvage uh, title. And, it's, a, it's a lean, and, yeah, and mechanically. Des- and destroy, yeah, yeah. And, des- and destroys things that they feel wow. that can't be sold anywhere. So so the cops tell you it's I seized. Find that, yeah. And then they don't tell you that it's no longer seized. Right. <laughs> right. So how am I supposed to know? Right. And it's not it, like the tow company's going to call you. Right. And then at some point they served me with the asset forfeiture things that they were trying to get. There's a couple dollars they got, like a very small amount of dollars and the and the weed mobile was on wasn't on there. That's what made me start inquiring like, "All right, well where's the oh, weed mobile yeah. now? Okay, what's going on with the weed mobile?" I'm um, sorry, Mr. Fortune. It was scrapped and crushed last week. I was like, what? I was like, are you serious? Yo, they hit me right in the stomach. Yeah. I really, like, felt bad. I mean, I, like, the weed mobile's life flashed before my eyes. <laughs> like losing a pet. Yeah. It's like I remembered when it was, like, still just a brown van. <laughs> I remember when it got painted. I remember when it crossed the Rocky Mountains. I remember, remember crossing the Mrs. Yes. Oh my God. It's first it's love, now, and now it's gone. Yeah. That's that's what happened. Damn. I felt like it died. Damn. And 
There are other people that feel that way too. I mean, people have taken pictures of that thing all over the country. Sure. It became a little kind of iconic with me. It was kind of funny to some people. Like, he really drives a weed mobile. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, what anyway. Shame. Yeah. They so got now it. you're fighting. I'm fighting that. Still but, you know, I'm, I'm, this, this comes down to, I, I always tell people anyway, Americans generally like a David versus Goliath story. Okay? I feel like me fighting the Goliath of government, I have my, uh, you know, I, I play the role of David to a lot of people. And in this case, them stealing my van and crushing it, it just seems wrong on all levels to so many people, sure. whether they believe that they have about weed or not. So it plays into or supports my argument that I am the David fighting the big Goliath of government. I can't even stop him from smashing my, my van, yeah. you know, and people are on my side. When, when this current case ha- comes up, people are going to be fighting to be on my jurors. Most of the time, jurors come in there and half of them are trying to get off the jury pool. And yeah. at, at, my, at my trial, people are going to suddenly realize, <laughs> I, it's the weed man trial. <laughs> and they're going to want to be there. Line they're gonna, up. Yes, they're going to want to be there. And some of them are going to make the mistake to say, I can never put him in jail. And they'll get kicked off the jury. It's the ones who really catch the concept of jury nullification, which I am. I'm publicly teaching my entire region about it again. Yep. <laughs> There's not going to be a jur- Jurors are going to totally wonder, like, what is he always talking about jury nullification? They're going to look. When they find out that I'm on trial, the newspaper's going to be talking about it. They're Googling it. Like, everyone in my area is like, they already under- they're, they're, they're catching the concept that this dude is saying the government can't get 12. His argument is he's not wrong. The law's wrong. And calling myself weed man for so long and running for office, all that, I I, I, come, I come in. I think it's the favorite. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I love it. You know, and and you know, luckily I've been I've been at it for so long. All these cub reporters twenty years ago, they're all the editors and stuff now. That's right. You know, like I I've been around a long time. There's there's people who who were reporters when I met them. Or producers in New York now, yep. you know that, that's 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 the that's how long I've been around. Uh, right on. People's whole careers have gone right, right. You know, they've 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 been doing their media career with the weed man's presence, <laughs> and and, and the, the crazy radical stuff I used to say years ago, yeah, is mainstream now. Yeah, you know, when I used to say. Terrorists and black people are way crazier numbers, man. We're the victims, man. We're <laughs> like, oh my god, man. Why does why does he just throw dashiki on, go in the room, and cry to himself? You know, That's, I, I, I would like shut up, dude. You know, I I would hear virtually that. Yeah. In the nineties, yeah. now all these statistics that came out. The ACLU did their uh, their their report, which is uh, yep. really detailed. Yeah. And in fact, all these things are. Are true. Michelle Alexander's you know? book. Yeah, it's Michelle. All come out. Yeah, it's, it's all true. Um, and and you know what though, it's hard to see it in every uh, every community because it's not happening in every other every community. Like say like some of these inner city urban communities, they'll be able to tell you, hell yeah, yeah, they target here. Yeah, but somebody in some other like they, you know, there's a Boise, random Idaho. Yeah, we got no clue. Yeah, there's a random <laughs> person that gets busted for weed there, but that's because it's their law is being treated equally there. Yeah, they're just randomly checking and they come upon you and it's like but in certain communities man it's a it's a war man it's, it's like a I don't know it's a it's a targeting factor and yeah, weed man. is the trigger to a whole lot of their, their investigations and I always say I always say weed is the key that unlocks the fourth amendment yep you get the smell the sight 
bam, we got a, a reason to search, reason to frisk, all that. Yeah, and, that's, and that's what happens, man. Yeah. So, but you know what? Because it's becoming so mainstream, you know, all walks of life, all occupations, all races are, are, are disregarding the weed laws. So, in my opinion, they can't get 12. There's someone's on, there's, there's, there's no way that all these people are going to feel like, yeah, why all these people over here making millions, why these people are doing this, and yeah, he's admitting it's his. And he says he's sharing it. Yeah. <laughs> and we're supposed to put him in jail? You know what I mean? Like, I want, I want that to be their, their decision. And I don't think they can get 12 to agree with that. Yeah. I'm risking my life to do that, but I just, I'm that confident. But you can't get 12 people anywhere. I think, you know. Well, I know, I know all these legal fights cost money, and you probably need some help getting some fees and stuff. Do you have some websites or anything people can hook I, up? I always need help, but, you know, I don't know. I, I've, I've found that to be the hardest part of all this, that I, I'm the, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm crying or whining, but I've never been able to seem to get that extra help. I always end up being the one-man gang. Occasionally, lately, I've been getting local lawyers to help me. Yeah. But as far as... Boy, I wish I, I could have funded some of my fights and arguments in the past. This one here, I think it's going to, you know, I'm a broke guy, but I get like a million-dollar PR campaign I can get going, you know. Yeah. I don't know why. Hey, thanks. But the media has always covered me. I'm kind of like the Donald Trump of media. <laughs> Drag Donald. I mean, you know, Donald Trump's running the whole campaign in the news. Yeah, isn't that you know amazing? I mean? yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he hasn't like, run an ad yet. Yes, he doesn't do hardly nothing. You know, but see, in, in a way... I've kind of been doing that for years. You know, I made I made a goal like in the late '90s, as part of my activism goals, was to get in the press once a month. Yeah, dude, there's hardly a time period where I didn't, where yep. I, I wasn't successful since the '90s. I yep. mean, I have hundreds of articles, hundreds of different genres, and I called it all the same, whether it was a whether it was a uh, newspaper. Or like some radio station that had a hundred thousand viewers or something, yeah, yeah. listeners or something, right? As long as I can get in the media at some point, so I kind of create this weed man. But it's it's a cause thing, you know. And the cause twenty years ago was kind of wacky or whatever. Or the cause was legitimate, but no one talked about it. Right. Okay. But I was reviewed as wacky or a zero, and now kind of the opposite, almost the hero. It's come around to you. Yeah, so, yeah, so that was cool. So, so, so now I feel like the, the real victim, when they stole my weed mobile, like, they, like that's what it looks like. The government stole the hero's yeah. like, weed bad, mobile. What a bad PR move that was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So is it is it njweedman.com if people want to hit you up? Yeah, njweedman.com. Or you can find me on Facebook, same way. Yeah. Um, Ed Fortune. At Yahoo, E-D-F-O-R-C-H-I-O-N, at Yahoo. If you want to find me on PayPal, I have a whole, I have a defense fund set up. But you can find it on, on NJ.com, NJWeedMan.com, excuse me, NJWeedMan.com. Well, Ed, yep. have yourself a great hemp fest. I'm so glad to see you here. Sorry about the weed mobile. Yeah, man. I, I, I never got my picture in it, never got to see it, and I swore someday I'd be out in the East Coast, yep. and it just never yep. happened. Yep. Damn it. Uh, you, in fact, you just almost did. I know. We, we almost, we almost. <laughs> if it came through, you would have seen it then. Ah. <laughs> We're oh, going to well. go back out to Seattle Hemp Fest, everybody. Yep. Have yourself a great day, and uh, stay hydrated. A great conversation with New Jersey weed man, Ed Fortune, who's a legendary activist, been fighting the battle for a long time now, and always, always getting in the in the headlines, taking his battles to court. 
We need more people like him. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll wrap things up with Nurse Heather. There was a lot of cannabis radio hosts there. Vivian McPeak, myself, Nurse Heather, Kyle Cushman. Um, Yeah, I think that was it. Anyway, uh, coming up next, Nurse Heather. And then at the top of the hour, 5 o'clock Pacific time, 8 o'clock Eastern, Stoner Jesus coming to you live here on CannabisRadio.com. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Earn your Ph.D. in THC monetization with CannabisRadio.com. Don't be late. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Fortunate to have Michael Brewer of Brewer and Shipley. Your signature top 10 song, One Toke Over the Line. I've read a couple different versions of, of what the tune's origins are. What's the true story? We were playing a little club in Kansas City. A friend stopped by with some really good hash. We stepped out back and came back in. We we're tuning up in the dressing room, and Tom said, Man, I'm really one toke over the line. I just cracked up. I thought it was hysterical. We literally wrote that song just entertaining ourselves and to make our friends laugh. It's time to Hem Present, only on Cannabis Radio. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. I opted for convenience to use my personal email account. Okay, maybe you're high too. Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. Most of us pirates, we go on vacation to North Dakota, you know, because they've got a town called Argusville. Ar- 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 what are you smoking there, boy? This is Dan Michaels from danmichaelsaudio.com, and you're listening to Radical Russ on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. Remember, Stoner Jesus is coming up next, top of the hour. Live here on CannabisRadio.com. There's a short pause as we get the uh, feed transferred from Portland to Stoner Heaven. As you know, that's uh, quite a distance away. We'll have more Seattle Hemp Fest coverage for the rest of the week, plus some live guests as well. Great guests coming up. I'll tell them all about them 
tomorrow, but uh, here from the Seattle Hemp Fest backstage, Nurse Heather from Cannabis Radio. Good day, tokers and toquettes and non-toking lovers of liberty. Radical Russ here backstage at the main stage of Seattle Hemp Fest, and we've run to my fellow cannabis radio host, Nurse Heather. How you doing, Nurse Heather? I am doing wonderful. How are you doing, Russ? This is this is a fun event I've never been to before. This is your fancy first? themed you here, sir. Yes, your first Seattle Hemp Fest, really. Yes, it is. Wow, how did that? How did you manage to make it all these years without hitting Hemp Fest? You know, I've been asking myself that all day. <laughs> how did I miss this one? I go to everything else, and I haven't made it to Hemp Fest. I guess I saved the best because it's the 25th anniversary. It's really incredible. So my girl, Nurse Lisa, just finished up on stage, and I was, I was I even teared up a little bit. Aww. I had some emotion going on. It's always so. nice to see protégés that are That's, doing well. It's wonderful. So uh, good news with Nurse Heather is on CannabisRadio.com, and I've seen you at numerous events across the country, uh, both in green states and not-so-green states. How is your message resonating across the country? Do you think people are finally getting it? Um, you know, they, they are. They're, they're getting it on their own. They're getting it with help. You know, I always say that knowledge is the key and education is really what's going to move this thing continually. And even as the informed, I'm beginning to realize how little we really know. So, you know, even talking about rescheduling and if, if the rescheduling would have happened, we could have had more research so we could have known more about the plant. And, you know, just having these discussions... Um, it's bringing up a lot of questions. So I think you come to answers and your message gets more in-depth when, when there's just all that information that's out there that we just don't know about yet. So it's exciting to know what you don't know yeah. until you know it or yeah. something like that. I'm glad you bring that up because on our side, there's you know we are so quick to jump on the prohibitionists and their reefer madness. Sometimes we're a little reticent to get on our own you know, misgivings or mis, uh, false assumptions that need to be corrected. For example, for the longest time, we thought, let's get it rescheduled from Schedule 1 to Schedule 2. Over the past couple of years, people have thought, well, now hold on. Maybe that's not such a good thing. So thank you for bringing that up. You know, it's, I, I really look at plants like cannabis um, as something that should be descheduled. I mean, right. it's nature. <clears throat> what, what we're looking at, though, that's interesting pharmaceutically is they are coming on board. They're they're coming out, you know. Even even the big pharma is looking at what's going on here. And I've heard that they're looking to combine the opiate with the cannabinoid medications and create more in-depth. And you know what? Those medications need to be scheduled in some way. Yeah. I, I do believe that. But cannabis, the plant, hemp, the plant... It doesn't need to have a schedule. We need to deschedule. Right. So, I, I often I'll ask, fight on that. You know, that, which, that one. Which <laughs> that corner. Yes. Yes. Okay, I've got a guy here asking for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Set him on in. Set him on in. Uh, <laughs> we're doing it live, folks. We're doing it live. So, uh, yeah, this is, uh, I often, you know, ask, you know, what schedule does aloe vera belong in? What schedule does, you know, chamomile belong basil, in? Basil, yeah. Yeah, what schedule does basil belong in? These are plants, and, and one of the things I've been saying lately about this rescheduling uh, that didn't happen, and I predicted wouldn't, uh, is that we're trying to fit a leaf-shaped drug through a pill-shaped hole. Mm-hmm. You know, the FDA is just not set up to evaluate plants. We might as well be asking blind people about rainbows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a really good... <laughs> 
What would a blind person say about Ruby? I don't know. You took me down a path. <laughs> rabbit hole. Rabbit hole. So yeah. you're speaking later today, I understand. I, I will be speaking. I get my five minutes of fame. I've heard it called a couple of times yeah. now. So um, I'll get up there and I... I'm just going to talk about whatever comes to mind, but I think it's going to have a little something to do with unity and talking about, you know, we've got to unify within ourselves because there's no room for backbiting or infighting or any of this, you know, shit talking maybe that's going on just even within our community. So I'd like to see us unite because I think that uh, we should fight to unite. It's going to get us a lot further. Especially as we're just in the very beginnings of legalization happening and we're very vulnerable at this point to every bit of bad news that could possibly happen right because the the prohibitionists are waiting for you know ah we told you when we legalized this would happen and so we got to unite and make sure that we're putting our best foot forward in legalization well and we really need to step up i know that there's an issue even here in washington where you know the medical program is so so called being done away with and in in spite of or because of uh, adult use. And that's, I, I really feel like that's something we should be talking about because I believe that even in the midst of this, we need to um, not tax patients in yeah. the same way that we do someone that's looking for a great weekend. Yeah, and they're even doing that in California with the Adult Use of Marijuana Act, adding a tax to patients that is unnecessary. It's my hope that we get enough development that the price comes down so much that maybe that tax doesn't make so much so much of a hit on pardon the pun on the uh, purchase, uh, but uh, we'll have to see how that works out. Well, let's let's do it again. Let's, let's find out what's going on. I, so, who are you going to be talking to, Russ? Can I ask you that? Can sure. I flip the flip the script? Absolutely. A bit? We've got uh, all sorts of vendors and speakers and people coming up here uh, to interview on Cannabis Radio. I've got a schedule here that is just packed with people and so I, I can't even tell you off the top of my head but next we got Chris Gagnon and then Chris Farrell and then Ed Rosenthal the guru of ganja stopping by ah, uh, a whole bunch of people so I'm, I'm here literally all day uh, Aaron Pelly one of the Northwest uh, Marijuana Law guys Allison Drayson oh gonna be I here. love Allison Martin Lee oh uh, I saw Martin just a little while CBD, ago right? yep <laughs> so that's just today and then and then I'll be here for see Nurse Heather's speech. Oh, I'm speaking. Yeah, I'll be recording you. Yeah, <laughs> better make it good. Great. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll come up with 